So the title of uh, today's message is, Who Am I? Who Am I? Who Am I? And we're going to continue last week's message uh, about uh, the spirit of faith. Of course, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 is our main scripture text. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 13 says, we having the same spirit of faith, according as it's written, I believed, therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore speak. I'll read it in context in Barclay's translation, starting with verse 7 through 15, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7 through 15. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. That's, of course, speaking of the treasure we have in our body. Our bodies are earthen vessels. Actually, somebody called your body your earth suit. And um, it's amazing that you talk, start to talk about spirit, soul, and body, that we are a three-part being. And uh, in the uh, Word of Faith churches that I've been a part of, that's a very common teaching, that, and it's really something that's kind of vital to understand, because otherwise you get confused, like, my goodness, why in the world do I want to do this thing that the Bible says is wrong? Well, you know, that, that's your flesh. Most of the time, sometimes it'll be influenced by the devil, but many times people blame the devil for their fleshly desires. <laughs> um, but uh, what's interesting to find out is that even the world knows that you are more than your body. So you can find out uh, people uh, sometimes in the... Um, I wasn't alive then, but I think in the 60s when like uh, the women's movement came along and stuff like that, well, like, you, know, you even hear people say it nowadays, like, hey, you just want me for my body. Right? Well, that's an acknowledgement that you are more than your body. And I think as you age and as you get older, I know it is that way for me, the more you realize you are not your body. Because you understand, like, I don't know, everybody is a different age in here. I don't think anybody's exactly the same age. But uh, I don't feel the age I am. And when I have talked to my parents and grandparents and other uh, uh, more mature people, uh, they say, you know what, You've, I still feel like I did when I was 23 years old, you know? And so we are a spirit, we have a soul, and we live in a body, but we have this treasure in earthen vessels. So what we have from God is a treasure. It is to be treasured. So that the power which surpasses all things may be seen to be of God and not of us. So now we realize, like, wow, I have something on the inside that's not of me. In other words, it's not from me, which is very good because if you're like me, uh, you're kind of familiar with you and what you can do and what you can accomplish and what you have been through and what has happened to you. Um, but we want the power which surpasses all things may be seen to be of God, not of us. We are sore pressed at every point. Okay, here's where we're talking about the spirit of faith. Like, how does the spirit of faith respond? We have the same spirit of faith. If you're a Christian, you have that same spirit of faith. Um, we are sore pressed. In other words, we're hard pressed at every point, but not hemmed in. So I got lots of things coming at me at every point, but it doesn't mean I'm stuck here. Uh, we are at our wit's end, but never at our hope's end. We're going to look in a little bit at Romans 5.5, 5, that um, hope doesn't make us ashamed. Why? Because the love of God has been shed abroad in, order, in abundance in our hearts. That's not of us. That's of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has poured out in fullness the love of God in our hearts. 
We're at our wits end, but never our hopes end. We're persecuted by men, but never abandoned by God. In other words, you can say a lot of things about me. Uh, people can say a lot of things about you. They can persecute you. They can say what you believe is crazy. Like nobody believes that. Uh, you know, like they said, like it says in the Bible, uh, in the end times, people would say, well, people have been saying Jesus is going to come forever. What, means, what makes you think he's going to come? I am here to tell you Jesus is coming and he's coming again and he's coming again soon. Um, but never abandoned by God. We are knocked down, but not knocked out. In our bodies, we have to run the same risk of death as Jesus Christ did so that in our body, the same life as Jesus lived may be clear for all to see. For all through our lives, we are continually handed over to death for Jesus' sake so that the life also which Jesus gives may be clear for all to see in our mortal flesh. Like, you know, sounds like when Paul said in another passage, I keep my body under, I bring it under subjection. Sounds like when Paul said, it's no longer I that live, but Christ that lives in me. The life I live in this body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So I want you to focus on Romans 5, 5. The love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, and I live this life in the body based on the love of God, the love that God has for me. The result is that death operates in us, but life operates in you because we have the same spirit of faith as appears in that passage of scripture where it stands written, I have believed, therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore speak. So what we're believing ought to cause our mouth to be moving and our tongues to be moving. What we believe is not just something that we read and, oh, isn't that nice? And we just think about it and meditate upon it. Meditating actually is muttering. Something actually bursts forth out of your mouth. This is, I have the same spirit of faith that Jesus had. So Jesus had that same spirit of faith. Paul had that same spirit of faith. Uh, David had that same spirit of faith. They had that spirit of faith that changed their life. Like he, he came up against a lion, he came up against a bear, and uh, they were no match because he had a spirit of faith. So I have a spirit of faith. So no matter what comes at me, it seems like a lion, seems like a bear, seems like an uncircumcised Philistine. In other words, seems like an unbeliever who has no clue about anything and is just like attacking and doing all this stuff. Well, the spirit of faith will actually overcome that. And so you're kind of like, that's what's rolling around in your heart and in your mind. And you're like, yeah, I don't care what it comes. It's gonna, I'm going to overcome it. I'm going to overcome it. So we have to understand we have this mindset. In order to keep that mindset, we're rolling it over and over and over. And so you actually then start to look for an opportunity of challenge because you want to let your faith loose. Because you want to be like, no, I'm not, uh, I might have fallen to this last time, but I'm not falling to this this time. I might have said the wrong thing last time, but I'm speaking the word. I'm letting the word live in me. I'm letting the word dominate me. I have believed, therefore I have spoken. We too believe and therefore speak. For we know that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will raise us up also with Jesus. Like, uh, this is so good. It's really hard not to pause on all this stuff. But you see, like, Jesus came and he lived as one of us, yet without sin. And then every sin, every sickness, every disease, every problem, every trouble was placed on him. He was under the weight of all of those. On the cross, it happened in his spirit, but all, you know, he was, of course, physically uh, damaged on the cross as well. But that was placed on his spirit. And then he went to hell, uh, suffered the penalty even in hell, and gained the victory over that. Like, in other words, he didn't just do a little bit, like I took a little sneeze or a little cough for you, but he took the full extent of anything that could be applied to you even beyond the grave. 
He took every bit of that for you and for me. And the Bible says really as a forerunner, one that would go before us. And thank God we don't have to pay the price for that. We don't have to go through that. I know as a father, if you see sickness try to attack your children or somebody try to attack your children, what's your first thought? Your first thought, well, I don't know if it's your first thought, but one of my thoughts is I'd much rather go through that and suffer that than them. And every time I think that, since I found out what the Bible says, I'm like, whoo! But Jesus did that for me, because that's what he thought of me. That's how he thinks about me. So he took it off me. So I don't have to try to bear it for my children. He bore it for my children. He bore it for me. He bore it for you. He bore it for, you know, the worst sinner who doesn't know Jesus Christ, who's doing the worst thing, I guess you'd call like a member of ISIS. Like, he bore for them sickness and disease and, of course, sin and poverty, and lack, because he loves each and every one of us. I believe, therefore have I spoken. We too believe and therefore speak, for we know that he raised up Jesus, the Lord Jesus. In other words, he raised up Jesus from that condition. And if he raised up Jesus from that condition, which you and I, when you're born again, will never be in, they said like that's the biggest exertion of the power of God was in raising Jesus Christ from the dead. And yet it still says it was like him moving his little finger. Okay? So that greatest exertion of power, if he did that for Jesus and to Jesus, um, he will raise us up also. So he's like got a prototype before we even existed that he kind of took care of every detail, every part, every little jot and tittle you could say is taken care of. In other words, he's not missing. If you ever like um, bought a house uh, and you got a loan for it especially, then you have, Lisa knows this, like lots of paperwork. <laughs> and if you mess up or even if you don't mess up, but they decide they really would like it signed a different way or another initial in another place, they're like, hey... I've got to give this back to you. I need this re-signed. Oh, sometimes it's like time after time, and you think, okay, everything's good and done, and like, oh, there's one more. There's one more. Oh, let's have the people check this. He took care of it in every single little detail, and not in uh, an earthly court, but in a heavenly court. Everything that happens to us is for your sake, so that grace may abound more and more, and so swell I love that. And so swell with thanksgiving, which rises from many to the glory of God. I love the uh, visual picture I get there of like this swelling. You've ever seen like when people talk about, uh, uh, I don't know the movie, but anyhow, there's like a Christmas movie that has Santa Claus with this bag and it keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And I think of like the thanksgiving to God in this bag. It keeps swelling and swelling and swelling and swelling and swelling because of the grace of God, because God's free gift. Like he, like we didn't earn it. We couldn't earn it. We didn't have to earn it. He didn't want us to earn it. He's like, whoo, here, I'm just giving this to you. And so we're like, oh, thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm so thankful. Okay, so now we've kind of uh, set up and got us back to where we were. And so we were talking last week then about the spirit of faith, and we mentioned Abraham and Sarah. And Abraham and Sarah, uh, you know, were, Sarah was 90 years old, Abraham was 99 years old, and uh, they were looking for the promise of God, and actually the Lord had promised to them back, uh, was it uh, 10 years before that? No, 17 years 23 years. It was actually 23 years before Isaac was born. So I got confused with my numbers there. But God came and God promised to them. And then what happened? 10 years go by after the promise of God. And her belly is no bigger. 
right? And we discussed what kind of uh, challenges and thoughts and um, self-condemnation would come through an experience like that or would try to challenge you in an experience like that. Like, you know, for Sarah, like, man, you know, I'm, I'm of no use to my Lord. You know, that's how they said it then, to my husband. Like, he needs an heir. The Lord said he was going to have an heir. I must be the problem. It's got to be me. Because, you know, he's a godly man. Obviously, it's not him. But then what thoughts must have gone through Abraham's head? Well, maybe I'm the problem. Because, you know, I'm not as faithful to uh, the word of God as I should be. I'm not here like I should be. I'm not this what I should be. So all these thoughts go through. And then what happens? Well, Sarah has this servant girl, this maiden from Egypt. And um, after 10 years of this, I guess they kind of give up and say, well, like, Lord, I think you need a little help. So here, and it's different in our culture. I was studying it uh, yesterday, but it's different in our culture. So to us, it's kind of strange, but he's like, you know, here, you take my servant girl and she become one of your wives and then you have a child through her. And uh, they did. And then the Lord's like, no, I promised I would make you and I'll make you through Sarah, the father of many nations. And I'm going to bless Ishmael too. Don't worry about that. But you will have a child. You know, and Sarah, of course, is, is laughing. First Abraham laughed way back, and then Sarah laughed in her heart. And, um, so they're, what I want you to see is they're in this circumstance, and they're looking to themselves, not really looking to God, even after God spoke out of the you know, uh, uh, burning bush to them. The Lord spoke. And so... Um, and he made a covenant with them. I think I got that messed up. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm skipping ahead. So even after the Lord spoke to them. So I want to look then, speaking of the burning bush, at Exodus chapter 3. Exodus chapter 3. And um, I'll start with verse 1, and then I'm going to uh, skip around a little bit uh, for the sake of time. Exodus uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses kept the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the backside of the desert and came to the mountain of God, even to Horeb. Now, remember, uh, right before this, Moses uh, was in the house of Pharaoh and, you know, not right before, but before this, in the house of Pharaoh. And then he saw this uh, Egyptian abusing an Israelite and he went and took matters into his own hands and had to flee to the mountains. Okay, that's kind of a fast way to catch up. Verse two, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush, and he looked, and behold, the bush burned with fire, and the bush was not consumed. Okay? So Moses is here, and he's been here for a long time in the mountains. And then this happens. And what he's coming off of is he's coming off of failure and trying to do it himself and messing things up royally. Now, you've probably never been there. I've been there. <laughs> And then you're kind of like, oh, and the Lord speaks to you. Uh, verse three, and Moses said, I will now turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burnt. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called him out of the midst of the brush. You see, so like the Lord is actually there so many times waiting for us to turn aside. And as soon as he sees us turn aside, it's almost as if he's watching and waiting. Uh, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. Not I'll draw near to you, then you draw near to me, 
right? So the Lord's watching and waiting. And as soon as he saw this, uh, he said, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. And uh, he said, uh, don't get any closer, basically. Put off your shoes because the place you're standing is holy ground. Down to verse 8. And I am come down uh, to deliver. The, he's talking to him about why he's come and what, why he's meeting with him. Come to deliver uh, the children of Israel from the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land, under the land that's large and it flows with milk and honey. So the Lord's talking to him. And then verse 11, Moses said unto God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? Who am I? Well, that's like the title of the message. Who am I? So all of us have found ourselves at that place. Who am I? The Lord has an assignment for you. The Lord has a plan for your life. And not only sometimes like what we would consider the ultimate plan, the ultimate call, but even in small things sometimes. Like I have a plan for you to speak to this person. I have a plan for you to nurture these children. I have a plan for you to minister to this friend. I have a plan for you to sow into this business, okay? I have a plan for you. And um, sometimes we look at the plan of God and we say, who am I? And I really think sometimes, you know, the Lord wants us to live by faith because that's how he can bless us. It enables him to bless us. It opens up the blessing of God. And um, if you're a planner like I'm a planner, you're like, you know, can you just give me like the detailed plan of my life? <laughs> but I know it would scare me. And then, of course, you know, wouldn't have to live by faith as much. So he wants me to live by faith. Uh, but I think really if we could see the plan for our life unfold and what the Lord wanted, you know, I don't know about you, but I hope you're the same. I am closer to the Lord today than I was a year ago. And I'm growing in my relationship with him. And my faith is stronger. I'm more steady. I'm more able to say, you know what? Uh, come hell or high water, I'm walking with God. You know, and then, you know, through the course of a year, you may have ups and downs, but man, if your trajectory isn't up, you need to check up, right? Because you should be growing closer and nearer and um, be able to trust God in more things now than you could. I, I mentioned last week um, George Mueller over in England, the orphanage, and how he said at the end of his life or near the end of his life, he said, it um, takes the same faith now to believe God for a million dollars that at the beginning it took me to believe God for one dollar. Uh, well, uh, what does that mean? Well, one of the things that means is, you know, the Lord works with you where you're at. And God is a God of increase and actually multiplication. And so, um, you know, when we were, uh, would it be, I guess a year and a half ago, we first started using this school. And um, I knew I needed like a, a larger vehicle eventually to tow a trailer and do all this type of stuff. But really, I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure out, like, how is this going to happen? Like, I sound like uh, Sarah. How shall this be? <laughs> right? Who, like, who do you know? Well, what's going to happen? But then all of a sudden, the Lord just kind of works with you, and he's like, okay, now I want you to do this. Now I want you to do this. And so then, like, these little pieces start to come together, and like, okay, now everything's coming, uh, coming and going like this because uh, you kind of get out of the way and let him do it his way. Does that mean he's, you're just sitting and watching? No, I'm like right in the middle of it, very involved. But I'm following his promptings and his leadings. And, um, 
he, he just has like the best way. There's uh, no, no two ways about it. He has the very best way. So Moses said, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring forth the children of Israel out of Egypt? And he said, certainly, this is the Lord. Uh, and he said, certainly I will be with thee or I will be with you. So God's answer to who am I, like in other words, I'm not qualified. The Lord says, I'll be with you and it'll be a token to you uh, that I have sent you. And then he goes on and tells him, you know, because Moses said, who should I say sent me? He said, I am that I am has sent me. And then he, you know, goes on and says, um, you know, well, they still might not believe me. So the Lord said, well, what's in your hand? Right? The Lord uses what you have. He said, well, I got a staff in my hand. He said, throw it down. Became a snake. Pick it back up. Becomes a rod. Put his hand, you know, in his uh, uh, cloak and it was full of leprosy. Put it back in and it was healed. And then, you know, poured water out, became blood, and, you know, so on and so forth. So the Lord's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you signs. Um, Moses said, chapter 4, verse 1, but behold, they will not believe me or hearken to my voice. In other words, listen to my voice. And that's right after that's when the Lord said, okay, we're going to do all these signs. Then in verse 10 of chapter 4, and Moses said unto the Lord, oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent either, um, nor since you've spoken to your servant, I haven't even got more eloquent. I'm slow to speak and slow to tongue. And the Lord goes on and says, I'm kind of upset at you because I have told you that I would be with you and I will give you the words to speak and you still refuse. Well, Moses had a big insecurity problem. He was not secure in who God had made him to be. And I think the best way for any of us to be secure is to understand God is our Father and the love of God. Romans 5.5, 5, in other words, Moses, he, he, he had trouble speaking. Romans 5.5 5 says, hope makes not ashamed, right? So Moses is like not looking at the hope that he has in God, but he's looking at the ability that he has in his own self. Hope makes not ashamed. So Moses is ashamed because he's looking at the wrong thing and he's listening to the wrong thing. I mean, he had a supernatural manifestation of God in the burning bush that did not burn. So I maybe call it the fiery bush instead of burning bush. <laughs> and yet, apparently, that was not enough. So uh, I say that because the Bible describes Moses as one of the most humble people in the Bible. Right? Uh, I think Jesus must have been the most humble. But Moses is someone I think that we would all look up to and that we would all honor. And so if you go through the lives of the patriarchs and the prophets and all of the, the people that were mightily big time used of the Lord, I should say big league used of the Lord, that um, you find that they were imperfect people just like you and just like me. And that it's actually not about who we are in ourselves, but it's about who we are in Christ and who Christ has made us to be. Uh, so many times, like, voices will come and say, I'm never smart enough. I'm never experienced enough. Not good enough. I'm not patient enough. I'm not consistent enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not loved enough. I'm not rich enough. I'm not organized enough. Now, I didn't go down a list of each of you and put those on there. 
But God says, I will go with you. I will go with you. Um, I think it's in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We learn, and it's in the Amplified Translation, uh, you know where it talks about don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Uh, for what communion has Christ with Belial or an unbeliever with an infidel? Um, but the Amplified Translation right after says, that says, I will dwell in and with and among you. I will dwell in and with and among you. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, I think towards the end, it's like on the bottom of the page towards the left. <laughs> in and with and among. And so if God be for us, who can be against us? If he gave us Jesus, will he not freely give us all things? So what we're to do is to find our source of security and stability in who we've been made to be in Christ Jesus. It's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So you see like... You can have all different kinds of reactions when you're insecure. You can kind of like cower in like unworthiness, or you can actually mask and say like, I don't need it. I'm pretty good at this. I don't need anybody. I got it taken care of. Everything, you know, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And um, when you find out that no matter what you have done and no matter what you will do, God loves you just the same that his love in abundance has been poured out into your heart, that you have faith in the love of God, that you have faith in that he's not looking for you to earn his relationship, he's not looking for you to earn his love, he's not looking for you to earn any of that. He loves you. He loves you. He's not looking for you to change in order to love you. Because uh, Romans, it goes all, it's all through Romans, but you can find that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Christ died for the ungodly. While we were sinners, Christ loved us. That's when he showed his love for us. Okay? So if when we were birthed into this thing, it had nothing to do with our accomplishments or our intelligence or our money or our ability or our love, but it had all to do with his love and his accomplishments and his ability and his grace, then we find like we don't want to slip right back into that. So we find like if we're the one that's picked to be the, oh boy, this is dangerous, the key person on the baseball team, because I'm not like as familiar with the intricacies of the sports as some people. I was going to try and use the right word, but I thought I'm going to mess it up. <laughs> that we're not the one that's picked, we can actually be secure in that. Because we're like, God knows me. He knows my number. He's watching over me. All I have to do is listen to him and yield to him. He puts me exactly where he wants me. He's got me set up. And it doesn't really matter what comes. Um, like we read, let's, let's finish out today's message. Back in um, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and I'll do it in the King James Version. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed. In other words, what is going on? But not in despair. 
right? So that happened to me with the truck. I'm driving down the road. I had just picked up the trailer, got the trailer hooked up, and um, ready to go, checked everything, start down the road. I get about two and a half or three miles down the road, and all of a sudden, the car or the truck says, reduced engine power, <laughs> service engine soon. And I like, had no, like, like, no go forward. I was a little perplexed, <laughs> but I was not in despair. <laughs> And so, um, perplexed yet not in despair, persecuted but not forsaken. Like, this is the spirit of faith. Like, something's coming, coming, trying to press you down, trying to mess you up, trying to get you off track. But it really doesn't matter what happens. And again, the best illustration, the visual that I see that I love, and I hope you love it too, is like a basketball that's pumped up properly to the right amount of air so it bounces right on that court. You take that and you put it in a swimming pool and you keep it down. That basketball is like the spirit of faith. Like no matter how many times you push that thing underwater, and I've, you know, I haven't done it recently, but when I was a little younger, I would try and take that ball to the bottom of the deep end of the pool. And what do you think happens? It comes right back up. And it doesn't matter. In fact, uh, you know, I grew up with three brothers, and so we're four young men. And we get in that pool, and we had our cousins there too, and we got wore out before the ball got wore out. It would just come to the top, come to the top, come to the top, come to the top. And so we have that same spirit of faith that no matter what comes against us, no matter what circumstances the devil or well-meaning Christians seem to bring towards us, we come to the top. Because we can be perplexed, but we're not in despair. So somebody might look at some, uh, a believer's life and say, like, well, you, you got like, how in the world could you be well in the, in the will of God like your vehicle broke down where you're trying to tow that? My goodness, no, I live in a, in, a, in a fallen world and lots of things try to happen, but I don't let them get the authority over me. I don't come in submission to those things. I come in submission to the Spirit of God. And as long as I'm there under Him, I'm fine. Right? Second uh, Peter chapter, is it chapter 4, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee kind of in that order. Submit to God. Come under the mighty hand of God. Resist the devil and he'll flee. And so we have the same spirit of faith, always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life also of Jesus may be manifest in our mortal body. In other words, we are always saying, it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. The, I, it's uh, no longer I that live. I'm dead. The old man is dead. I'm not living for myself anymore. I live for Jesus now. And what I do, I do because of him. And I do in his place. So if I'm not living for him anymore, if it's no longer I that live, then I can be secure in who I am because who I am is who he made me to be. So I would not insult my Lord and say, I can't do it. And say, I'm not able. And say, this circumstance is too great. Uh, you know, I've said that before. And what you, all you have to do if you say that is you say, for me without you. <laughs> <laughs> so because why? You might be like that basketball. You've got that spirit of faith and all of a sudden you get pushed underwater for a second. But what happens? <laughs> you come shooting back up. And that ball, like, if, if you, you should do this. Like, next time you go. It, like, actually shoots above the water. And makes a splash and gets those circumstances splashed out of the way when it comes right back down. And so we have the same spirit of faith. 
And the way that the word of God works for you and works for me is when you work the word, when you do what the word says. I can't remember how many times our brother Hagen, uh, we traveled with him for a couple years and uh, got to know him a little bit. And um, he'd always, when he pastored a church, he pastored uh, three or four churches over the course of 13 years. He'd always say, yeah, we were having a board meeting. His were board run churches. And the board was like, oh, we got this happening. We got that happening. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And he'd be kind of quiet. And then they looked at him and uh, he'd say, we're just going to act like the Bible's true. And they're like, oh, well, sometimes you have to tell yourself that. Like, what am I going to do? What am I going to do now? Well, I'm just going to act like the Bible's true because it is. And because if I act like I have a spirit of faith, all of a sudden, probably the feelings of a spirit of faith will come. But whether they come or whether they don't come, you still have what the word says. And so the most solid ground that we have to stand on is the word of God. That's what he watches to perform it. And if you stay with the word, you'll be on the right track every single time. You might not understand everything with your head, but you follow the word. And the word uh, will not fail you because God will not fail you. And he watches his word to perform it. Stand with me if you would. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. That your word is alive and powerful. Father, that your word gets right through all of the junk into the core of our being. Father, I thank you for your word that you have sown into our hearts today. Father, I pray that you would help each and every one of us not to forget this message, but to be doers of your word, Father, that will walk out what you have taught us and what you have showed us. Father, I thank you for your spirit who brings all things to our memory and to our remembrance, whatever you've spoken unto us. Father, I plead the blood of Jesus over each and every person that's here, each and every person that's listening, over the plan that you have for each and every one of our lives in great detail and great specifics. Father, I pray that you'd grant us boldness that we may speak your word, that signs and wonders may be done by the name of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ would be lifted up and magnified in our thoughts, in our attitudes, in our actions. Father, I thank you that you are the God that is more than enough, that you are our source and our supply. We look to you for strength. We look to you for health that you've provided for us, for prosperity that you've provided for us. We are well able to possess the land that you have set before us. We thank you for it, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.